Hi everyone, podcast number three. You're here with myself, Daniel Tompkins, James Monteith. Hello. And Jay Postones. Hello. And we are in Germany. Uh, I believe we're in Karlsruhe. Yep, I don't know if that's, that's how you pronounce it, it. But that sounds about right. And we're playing substage tonight. And what we can see at the minute is a nice view through two open windows of a terracotta roof and some industrial buildings. Didn't this used to be a slaughterhouse though? That's what, there's all these weird hooks everywhere and apparently it was a, a slaughterhouse years ago and they've kept all the, um, the old metal hooks knocking about mm. for authenticity. And we're right next to a park where there's currently um, a skateboarding and hip-hop festival, which... It's two things we're massively into. Mm, yeah. I can't remember the last time I was on a skateboard and I can't remember the last time I listened to hip-hop. Mm. So. Well, my kids like skateboarding and I like hip-hop, so... Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Tesseractband.co.uk yep. for all things Tesseract. Uh, Tesseract. Instagram handles, let's get it out of the way. So we've got Rock with Dan. J. Postones. James Dr. Monteith. Amos Prem Williams and Apple Ackle. If you want to follow us and see what we're up to. Uh, vocalist.com for all things going on in the vocal world uh, we spoke about this on the last two podcasts but we've been plugging your promotion so your PR company's website so holdtightpr.com uh, if you want to find out about all the latest greatest bands go to my website yeah. um, drums.com. yep jpostonesdrums.com and while we're here if you live in Reading <laughs> the room rhom.co.uk for all of your rehearsal needs and band storage mm. And if you really fancy a nice cup of tea, make sure you go to unity.com. <laughs> Unityblends.com. <laughs> we're actually getting super cl- Just while we're on that, we are super close to releasing the online store, hopefully this week or next week. So what date is it today? It's the 20-something, 22nd? 23rd of June. So by the time this podcast gets released, it'll probably be... Mm-hmm well up and running so do go check it out yeah. we do quite a lot between us don't we I'm just mm. listing all of that stuff I mean I know a lot of it is Instagram handles but it's mm. not just Tesseract that yeah. we all do we're all yeah. quite busy and if you want uh, your album mix and mastered go to 4dsounds.com and Akko will probably not respond to your email for ages because he's quite busy but he will do eventually I'm or sure. he just doesn't like your band yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a possibility <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, um, I want to plug Unity here because the uh, the rose petal and uh, <laughs> and chamomile tea is knockout juice. It's amazing. If you have a long, weary day, you just want to go straight to sleep. A cup of that, you're out. Yeah, the, the last European tour that we had, I brought pretty much every single blend that we have, and that was the most popular. Everyone was sipping it before bedtime, so just don't have two two mugs because then you you wake up at three a.m. desperate for a pee. Oh yeah, totally. Be Don't be careful when you take your tea for sure. <laughs> but no, it's a good blend. I'm really pleased you like it actually. Moss quite like Moss quite likes the essential blend, which mm. is just a straight up lovely Ceylon tea. Mm. Very, peppermint. Very light. It's the champagne tea. <laughs> I didn't already know that. Yeah, there's peppermint as well. Yeah. Peppermint and sancha green tea. I love mm. a bit of pep tea. Yeah. They're not overpowering as well, they're quite subtle. You know, they're very well balanced blends, nice. I like to think. Do you do gift sets? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. I've got different ranges actually. Um, we have the lifestyle range, the well being range, and I can't remember the last one. 
I'm going to website in a while. Do you know what we needed for merch though? We now need a Tesseract teapot. So we can use your loose leaf TV in a Tesseract pot. Yeah. I suggest this to Foster. Write that idea down. Yeah, but there's any merch ideas that you want seen in real life, such as... Teapots. Teapots, <laughs> dog leashes... Uh, uh, oh, it's, the, it's, it's the creativity range. Okay. <laughs> so the well-being range is all about uh, caffeine-free blends that are essentially good for singers, which is why I developed that range. But they're so tasty and they've got lots of health benefits that they can really appeal to anybody but anyway go, go. And, go and check out the website we don't want to flood the podcast with unity spiel <laughs> we so. could probably do an entire podcast on tea with all the we should probably do it now I don't think anyone would be interested in that well, yeah. <laughs> tea enthusiast might um, <laughs> last night was good where were we last night oh, I'm going to have to check Essen Essen it was a, a, a club show that was sold out I don't think anyone expected it to be sold out mm. a surprisingly energetic show yeah. um Lots of dancing, lots of movement. We don't. We had the first Tesseract pogo. Pogo. <laughs> the entire room, the whole room, together. jumping up and down. That was that was fantastic. Mm, so if you were there, thank you for doing that. Mm. That was fantastic. Then afterwards, we went for a couple of beers with the guys from Kemper, which was very interesting and very useful. Um, if, I don't know if you know or not, but we're, we're now using Kemper um, um, amps and they sound really good and the guys from Kemper are really supportive and really open to ideas want to hear our feedback and um, yeah awesome company that seems to be very open minded and very keen to work with loads of artists so yeah love nice. them nice um, well well I mean James Monteith is in the room James so Monteith today should, should be centred around Mr Monteith that's exactly what I'm thinking should we start the um, let's do an Instagram thing on your thing yeah so we're going to start on Instagram Live because it's <coughs> a great way to get some questions that we hadn't pre-prepared last time. Don't forget, man, we have a Tesseract podcast yeah. email address. Tesseract. Well, do that when we're on the okay. uh, on the live stream because then we don't have to say it 17 times. Yeah, okay. I do like saying it though. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah. So, should we go on the Tesseract Instagram? Tesseract Instagram. Yeah. Live. Uh, live story. And can, we, can we edit some of this bit out? No, it just stays in. So good. There's no editing, so if you say anything terrible, it stays. We won't stay on this okay. for the whole podcast. No. We'll just mm. do it for a short time. Right. So can we prop that up somewhere good? I'm going to move my chair around. There we go. Look at that. We're all in it. Beautiful. Oh, then this is going to show sideways. Though, well, it? it does okay. People can see us sideways. They can turn their phones. They can turn their phones around. We no, can do it. We can, we can do it. Oh, we can do it. But now we can't see. We're all going to have to huddle in. It's all right. Mm. Okay. Hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. We are here with Tesseract Podcast number three. We are recording it live in somewhere in Germany. I've forgotten where. Um, James Monteith is our very special, beautiful guest today because the first two podcasts were just me and Dan talking shit. So, hello, Metal. Hi. Hello, Metal. We would yeah. like you to send any questions that you've got to tesseractpodcast at gmail.com. Mm. Or uh, just ask them in the um, on We the tried Instagram. that, but it doesn't work because people send questions and they just disappear, they just disappear. straight away. Ah, so, so, definitely emailing your questions. Are if we you coming to Puerto Rico? We want to come to Puerto Rico. Make us come to Puerto Rico. Can you sort that out for us, please? We really want to go there. Well, there we go. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with some questions until the questions start rolling in. So, Metal. Why are you called Metal? <laughs> it's a really good name. 
Yeah. Oh, terrible name, as Lisa points out. Oh, as well. Um, basically, when I went to university, I ended up falling in with like loads of the music crew, as you do. And um, but I didn't. Have, I was literally the only guy who was into metal, and there were a few other Jameses, and I got nicknamed Jim Metal because I was Jim who liked metal, and that kind of stuck there. But then after that. Around about the same time, I joined a band, um, uh, a rap metal band. Yes. <laughs> Amos was in the band too. He wouldn't, doesn't really like me talking about it, but yeah. So Two oh nine. <laughs> and um, the other guitarist in um, uh, in that band shortened it to metal because he thought it was a bit. It rolled off the tongue a little bit easier, which it does, and then it stuck, and here we are, nearly two de- decades later. And now you're metal. Metal. What is hilarious is that both me and you are James Robert. I know. There's two James Roberts in the band, which is hilarious when we're at... Customs. Customs, and they're like, James? You're like, yeah, which one? James Robert, which one? Mm. Yeah, there's two of them. And then they can never pronounce my second name right. Yeah. And we're both dirty boys on a tour bus. (laughs) Um, When did you realize you wanted to be a guitarist? It was when I was 14. Um, my first instrument was piano, so I learned classical piano and I thought I just muddled through it, did all right, got to my grade four, which is yeah, not a, a great achievement by any, yeah. It's better than I am. But yeah, like it's, it was something I did and it was all right, it's kind of into it. I was also into music, yeah, I grew up, uh, my first musical love was Michael Jackson, Kylie Minogue was my second. He might have been your first musical <laughs> I know. <laughs> Had we met back then, I might have turned out a very different person. <laughs> <laughs> Can't laugh about that, really, can <laughs> um, Yeah, and then, um, then I went off on a, like, into the, got into the Prodigy and, and the Orb and loads of dance music stuff, and I was like, pre-teen. Then when I was 12, I discovered Guns N' Roses. I remember that guitar sound was just like, wow, I love that, that's amazing. Um, and then I went round to my friend um, Eddie White's house, who's um, a phenomenal musician now, he's like a film composer, who's like, yeah, done much more sensible things with his musical talent. And um, he had a guitar and he just started playing it. Yeah. And, uh, I immediately said, show me, show me that, show me that chord. And he showed me a D chord. And then I sat there for ages going, meh, <laughs> meh. And it all came, yeah. We'll follow it from there. Yeah. Mm. Well, I got to grade six on the drums, but it was only to get. I had drum lessons instead of getting, uh, instead of going to a crappy lesson at school. It was do this crap lesson or go to music lesson. So I went to a music lesson, but I can't actually remember any of it. I don't know how to read music. Mm. I don't know any of that shit. Mm. I did my grade five music theory because I was told I had to do it in order to do my next piano exams, but I kind of gave up piano by that point. So. Mm. And, um, and I can't remember any of the theories. So, yeah. I mean, do you ever feel like it would be useful to know any of that stuff? Because I, I feel like with the music that we do, we, we're able to perform it at whatever level we perform it at without having any knowledge of that stuff. Or at least I don't have any knowledge of theory, music theory. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to explain what we do, mm-hmm. I think it would be massively beneficial. I think. I think so, although quite a lot of the melodic stuff isn't super complicated to explain. A little bit based around kind of chord progressions which aren't too abnormal, so I think that needs to explain. I suppose some of the more uh, chromatic and... Like explain the end of Juno. Oh, rhythmically, well, no. I I think even if you've got great theory knowledge, to explain some of those really complex rhythms would be bloody difficult. And even if you could articulate it, nobody's going to understand it. Yeah. I don't know. 
maybe I'm wrong, but I think some of the rhythms are so bizarre that it's, it'd be, it would sound more complicated explaining it than just mm. saying, just study the pattern. And get to well, that, that's the other thing. Like, so when, if you're learning, so like for the for example, the end of Juno, that kind of crazy mm. bit that loops on a weird loop that mm. I don't think any of us even count or know how to count. Mm. Um, it's a, I feel it's a, it's just a feel. Like, yeah. I, I don't think about it. It's, I've, I've listened to it a bunch of times. That's how it goes, and it's like a, a path or a dance or whatever you want to explain it as. Mm. Is that the same? Absolutely, and I, there are certain moments which took a while to get. Like the longer part of that phrase is very much like you've got to feel it. It's not. It's not even counting it. It's just got to relax, got to sit back, and it's, and um, as soon as you kind of get in the zone with it, you can play it, and it's and then you have to stop thinking about it. Yeah. Because the minute you start thinking about it is when you go, I don't know where I am. Uh. Yeah. Um, I still have. Yeah. Muscle memory is kind of vital for this yeah. kind of music. I think. Absolutely. Um, what was your first guitar and what would you recommend to a young guitarist about to buy their first guitar and amp considering the advances in tech then? Yeah, well, my first guitar was a Fender Strat copy. I bought it for 129 quid from Rock Bottom in Croydon. Yeah. It's a black and white Strat, kind of body holly style. And then a friend of mine painted all over it and made it look green. Which really? <laughs> a proper greed guitar. And, um, and yeah, I think I mean, first guitar, because anything really, don't get something expensive, get something that just works and you can get to know it. Uh, yeah. Expensive gear is pointless until you need it. What if, what if someone is wanting specifically a seven string guitar for their first guitar? What would you recommend? Well, there are so many um, second-hand Ibanez seven strings on the market which you can pick up for dirt cheap. I recommend getting like the 7620 or the 7621 or the 7420 because you can buy them for like as cheap as 200, 300 quid. They're super solid guitars. In fact, when we started jamming in Tesseract, my first seven string was the 7621. It's like the fixed bridge version. Yeah, it was really solid. And then played that until I got an RGD which was about 10 years ago now. What are you playing now? Um, now I'm playing, well, I've got my LA Custom Shop guitars, which are based on the RGDs. Um, but on this tour, I'm playing the white 7321 something, yeah. Um, but it's basically- it Sounds like you're naming planes. <laughs> well, I think it's just because they, <laughs> Ibanez churn out so many guitars, they just have to put loads of numbers. Loads of numbers. And um, yeah, it's really, really solid. It's got like, these Demarzio, I think they're Evolution pickups in uh, Demarzio something or others, and they sound great. Um, stepping away from the bare knuckles, partly not because I mean, I love the bare knuckles, but the main reason is it's like Ivanez gave me these guitars to use, and I thought, you know, I'll just try out these stock Demarzios and see what they're like, and they sound killer. Um, um, they have floating trends, which isn't ideal, but I block them off. Um, but yeah, I'm quite enjoying the fine tuners on the floating trim, which actually, yeah, like makes like not going out of tune slightly easier. Cool. Mm. Um, well, we're just discovering that we don't have access to the emails because uh, Dan's using his phone for. Um, Didn't you tell me to use my phone? Yeah, for the Instagram, because <laughs> the questions are on my phone. We've noobed here. Why don't you log so, into the email? Well, I can yeah. log in from here. So. Logging on your uh, mm. on your Mac. And I'll, I'll ask one more question because we're newbing otherwise. <laughs> so remember my first podcast. Just so guys that are watching, um, you may have missed this, but if you want to ask us any questions, please email them into tesseractpodcast at gmail.com. Don't leave your questions in here because they disappear so quickly we don't see them. So yeah, just one more time, tesseractpodcast at gmail.com. We're really, really popular, so people mm. comment 
all the time so much mm. famous mm. Yeah, with 49 people famous, famous. Mm. 49 people famous oh wow look at all these questions that's a lot they were from the last podcast okay, so right. there's a question for Jay uh, what drum kit did you start out with when you were young <laughs> should I just ask you what uh, I'll that's from Raman Klein Wolfius that's a great name Raman um, Klein Wolfius started out my first drum kit first drum kit I ever played was a premier I don't know what it was, it was a very old premier gold sparkle drum kit in my old school music room um, and I then, my parents and grandparents funded my first actual drum kit which was a Honor LEX which was a terrible drum kit, <laughs> it was this, I saw it in a catalogue, it was black and it was drums and that's what I wanted because it was the first one I saw I didn't want to have to make a decision but it was the kind of thing that if you'd rubbed your hand around the inside of the drum, you'd have definitely got splinters. Um, I then got a Premier Artist Birch in a rosewood colour, which was a really nice drum kit, fusion sizes. And then I switched that out for a Tama Superstar or Rockstar, I think. Then I got a Tama Star Classic Babinga. Then I got the Crush kit, and now I'm with DW, which has been my drum kit company of dreams um, so there you go that's my entire drum life thank you very much mm. so we do actually have some questions from the last time and we promised that we would mention them and answer them so should we just go through a few let's do them? it yes um, Roni Lusari hi guys I'm a new fan and I would like to know what are your main influences and if you plan to come to Brazil keep up the awesome work I'd say Ooh. our influences are wide and vast and very different, but sometimes the same. Yeah. I mean, currently I'm listening to a lot of contemporary prog pop. That's a new thing, I guess, but you could just call it contemporary pop artists. Um, Stuff that sounds like the... Anoni, Active Child. Just really well-produced and clever music with great vocals. Yeah. Um, Music with a lot of space, not necessarily rock or metal. Um, interesting instrumentation, um, unique sounds. Yeah, anything that really, you know, is different and makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. So it can be anything really. Um, at the moment, um, partly from my day job, loads and loads of metal. <laughs> um, so nothing that's necessarily directly inspiring, but. Um, I guess it's a slight tangent, but there are some like younger bands doing really awesome things, like the Hirsch Effect we're playing with at the moment. They're kind of like a real mishmash of like uh, tech, metal, jazz, prog, um, soundscapey stuff. Um, and they're a three-piece, and they all do vocals, which is quite unique. Um, I suppose like the roots of Tesseract, they're very, quite heavily obviously in the sugar, um, and I'm gonna say like 70s prog, like Pink Floyd and. That sort of thing. Pink, Pink Freud. Pink Freud. Pink <laughs> Freud. Pink Freud. Freud. So we've got another guy that's just emailed in from Brazil again. Wow. Hi guys, big fan from Brazil. This is Vita Estacio. I hope that's how you pronounce it. I'm terrible with these. I uh, would like to know what are the variables that need to be analysed in order for you folks to choose a place to tour at? Or is it something out of your control? 
uh, and I know you heard this a thousand times, but come to Brazil. We would love to come to Brazil. I would absolutely love to come to Brazil. Yeah. I think it's just, it's generally a practical thing. Like we need a promoter that our agent trusts who's able to get us gigs that are able to ultimately cover the costs to get us there. And I think that that's, those are the factors, the practicality of them on anything else. We would no, love I don't to. think that's happened for Brazil yet. That's all it is. There's mm. not someone there that's gone, here's enough money to get you there, which isn't, it's not necessarily us trying to rinse anyone in Brazil. It's just that it costs a quite enormous amount of money to get the production, the show that we that we are expected to put on mm. to a venue. So um, unless it's part of a tour and that tour is properly structured and planned out and strategic, it's very difficult to go, yes, we'll just come to Brazil and do one show. Um, well, that just wouldn't be viable at all. It just wouldn't be viable. So mm. it's got to be part of a bigger tour <coughs> or uh, South America tour type thing. Um, which just hasn't happened yet, but it's definitely something that we talk about, mm. like, and would like to do. So, I'd say it will happen. Please just be patient, um, because it, I don't know when it will happen. Uh, next question from Jacopa Spar. Sorry, Jacopa Scar, if that's how you pronounce it. Again, so so, so really difficult to pronounce half of these names. Um, Hello guys, much respect for you and your art. I saw you playing live in Parma and it was great, thank you very much. Here's the question, have you ever thought about recording some single tracks featuring other musicians? If yes, who would you like to play with? I think a feature with Pliny would be awesome. I would have said Pliny. <laughs> yeah, he's a great guy. I think, I think we'd, all, we'd all agree we'd like to do something with him uh, in the future. Um, in terms of vocalists, I know myself and Michael Lassard from The Contortionist mm -hmm. have spoken about doing something together for a while. Um, that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Onyx. 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 Yeah, yeah. Onyx. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more question then. Um, what about you? Who would you like to feature? Well, you said you said Pliny, didn't you? Uh, if it was a drummer, probably Danny Carey. What about a guitarist? Uh, I know maybe someone like Felix Martin, because he's like a really inventive you know, guy who's kind of pioneered the, the, you know, the double fretboard, interesting tapping techniques, and they just make some really interesting sounds out of his guitar that I've not heard anyone else make. Question from Andy Wheeler. Hey guys, huge fan. Me and my girlfriend saw you in Birmingham last year with Between Birmingham. <laughs> it was honestly the best show I've been to. Uh, so my podcast question is, which is your personal preference, the single or album version of Smile? Album by Smile. Album. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the single version was really uh, just a promotional exercise and a way of showing you guys where we might take the direction of the music for, the, for that particular album, but it was also a song to support the tour with Megadeth that we, that we threw in the mix, was it two years ago now? Mm. We had to have something ready for that tour, basically, and a single to promote the tour, and that was the most ready song that we had, so we put that out, but it was by no means a finished song, it was just kind of, you know, hit export on what he's done so far, and we then progressed it to sound like the album. Cool. Mm. There you go. <laughs> Good answer. What's next? Um, I think what we're going to do next is throw in uh, maybe a song of your choice. Okay, yeah. Uh, so what we're going to do is stop the Instagram feed now 
Um, again, if you do want to get any questions in seriously, please don't comment here. We will not answer them here. Email tesseractpodcast at gmail.com and we will respond to your question. And we've just had another one pop in right now, which we'll talk about in a second. So guys, nice to see you. Um, these podcasts will be out hopefully in the next month. Well, if we're not doing it in the next month, then we're being lazy. <laughs> yeah, so we will advertise them. Catch you later. Bye. Bye. Cool. So, um, do you want to do those questions that have come in, and then I'll. All right. So we've got two more, two more questions then, and then we'll let James choose a song. Oh yeah. Um, this one's from Omar Shweka. Can you start pronouncing some of these names? Omar. Shrika. Hi guys, are there any details about the new album you want to share? Cheers from Tunisia. Um, I mean, it's not an album yet, it's, it's demos and... It's one song. One song. Um, <laughs> what can we say about the one song that's not giving loads away? It sounds like Tesseract. Mm. But, yeah, I think... Be rest assured that we, our primary focus after this tour is getting a new album done. So yeah. hopefully it won't be another ten years. Well, it's never years. been ten years. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. It does feel like it. It's because we fit a lot in in between album cycles. We go mm. away for a long time. Last question from David Holmer. Music. How do you guys manage a negative review of an album? Don't read it. Don't care. I don't really don't care, but I, I'd like someone to link to a negative album review because I haven't read that many. Enemy, enemy, enemy. Like said, oh, yeah. they religiously give out bad reviews of everything. Oh no, I mean, like it was written by a guy who doesn't even listen to heavy rock music. But don't they just like review bands that wear dungarees on stage? Pretty like, much. Yeah. Isn't that kind of irrelevant? And so it was almost like it was like an intentionally aggressive piece for no reason. And it said there was something like I don't know tool with a boy band vocalist or something like that. To be fair, that I wouldn't be offended by that. That's a compliment. I yeah. sound like cool. Fantastic. Mm. All so these questions are rolling in. In your face, aren't they, mate? Yeah. Maybe not. So, um, yeah. Pick. So, what Sorry. song do you want to choose then? So, the reason we're doing this is yeah. to let fans get a bit of an insight into what we listen to and the things that we like musically. Cool. Alright, well I'm going to pick uh, the number song by DJ Shadow and I want to talk a little bit about DJ Shadow and why I think he's a genius. And um, it's my way of squeezing it a little bit of hip hop even though <laughs> there's a potential ban on that name, there's not. Um, but there's no, there's no, nothing offensive in this uh, lyrically. But um, DJ, DJ Shadow, but, uh, He's in the Guinness Book of Records for producing the first ever album that was made entirely of samples. And um, I actually heard the album before I knew anything about him, and it's basically just like a down-tempo, chilled-out, essentially electronica, um, uh, with with this hip-hop feel and hip-hop rhythms. And uh, he basically made it with two turntables and an Akai sampler, and that's it, and loads of records. And... um, uh, like his samples range from everything from James Brown to Metallica. It's a really, you know, a lot of it is old funk and soul, but there are loads of really interesting things in the mix. And um, when I was a teenager, I was really into, like, I was a proper metalhead, and he was one of the artists that kind of took me out of that and opened my mind up to loads of different things. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so I, I want to play the number song by DJ Shadow off the debut album he had called Introducing. And um, I'm picking this one because it has a sample from the song Orion by Metallica in it. See if you can spot the sample. One, two, three, four, five, break down, baby.
go. There you go. No, oh, yeah. Did you like that? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dan? What's your favourite bit? Where was the song? My, was my favourite bit was the Metallica sample. <laughs> um, let's get a few more questions that uh, that I've got prepared because I think there's a couple that are important. So, is there anything that you do alongside Tesseract specifically? I suppose, what is your business? What, what do you do that isn't just playing guitar? Um, my main business is I'm a music publicist, so and I run a small company called Hold Tight PR, and we work with labels and independent bands to get them in magazines on the radio. Um, we used to do TV, but TV is not much of a thing anymore. Um, uh, online is obviously massive. And, um, yeah, I started off working for Basic Records, which is how I got into the game, and then started working for other labels and built it from there and now our client roster is quite large we work with um, I guess our biggest clients um, SPV Long Branch and they do loads of proggy stuff proggy tech stuff but we also work with like Fearless Records um, uh, worked quite a lot with Sumerian back in the day and I'm actually working with them again on a new record now so yeah. do you also work with independent artists outside of the label? I do yeah um, and how important do you think that is for up and coming artists to have PR representation? Uh, I think it's important that the time's right, and I think a lot of bands think that it will be like a, f- a quick fix solution. They're like, oh yeah, if we can get a review in a magazine or a feature somewhere, that will help us go up a step. And, um, and I'm probably like, I mean, to talk down my business, but that's not the case. Like, um, PR only really works when the band's at the right stage, when they've actually got a good enough story to talk about. Um, when there's enough momentum going on, it all adds to the whole mix. So if you're doing some really good shows, you're getting uh, the media talking about you at the, the right time. These things all work together to help grow your profile. Um, it's kind of the same as, you know, the, the more that you appear at online, various websites, in magazines, it's the same as the more you appear live. It's, mm. it's public uh, yeah. appearance. Uh, so one, one show isn't going to make a difference to a band's mm. career the same way that one magazine article isn't, unless exactly. it's a scathing, <laughs> they've done something horrendous. But yeah. So, so here's yes. a serious question then. So mm. as part of your job, you obviously reach out to magazines, mm. which, is, which is cool. But in terms of like reaching out to the various different webzines that are out there, mm. do people ever read them? Uh, they read them... Well, they read some of them. They read like the bigger ones are read things like um, Metal Sucks, Metal Injection, Loudwire, um, and all the magazine websites like Krang Online and Hammer Online. Um, Is it a case of the more the better? Not really. No, oh, it depends. I think it depends on where you're at and what you want. I think if if you're a band with quite a lot of momentum, sometimes I think less can be more if it's like very high quality stuff that's on good sites that. Are worth reading um, not that small ones aren't worth reading but small ones don't sometimes don't have very big audiences at all and it's like a look thing how is that gauged so do monthly so unit user figures also so you, you get figures from the various different websites they, and do you, do, is that like is that something that they have to provide they don't do have to for it? but we ask for them and to be honest it's, that's less important now because now you just go by the social media numbers which are public because whenever a, if a website posts a story if Metal Hammer Online posts a story, like they just leave it on their website, no one will read it. Nobody goes to a website anymore to read it. It's do, all you know, do you know of any websites that exist that are more popular outside of Facebook? Uh, not really. I don't think. Because I see what you're saying, mm. but Facebook limits external links 
So it's like how yeah. how effective is is that? But if posting on Facebook, but with Facebook, they do get a certain amount of um, if, they, if the tra- if the traction picks up, then it automatically um, spreads and reaches more people. But it's not just Facebook; it's also Instagram, Twitter. Twitter's really good, like cause Twitter doesn't limit, and lots of people who like to read read Twitter. Um, I, I don't know why, but I find my Twitter account really uh, it just doesn't seem to have much, much reach at all compared to Facebook. I guess it depends how much you use it. I think. Yeah, I guess on how active you are and mm. how engaging you post. I get that. But another thing we're doing as a side is also doing digital marketing as well. So working. So sometimes PR might not be the thing that's right for you, but if you want to get your video in front of loads, you know, of the right people, you can just chuck money into YouTube and target the videos. And um, we've got a guy that we work with now who's really good at making sure they arrive, they work, you know, appear in the right places. Just as adverts, you can have like a five-second advert clip before yeah. a video. And so if you're working with a tech metal band. If you could target it so it goes in front of a periphery video, periphery fans are likely to like that that video and click through. Is there a this is a very subjective question, but a level of band, if that makes sense, should should a band be uh, think that they are at a certain level before approaching someone such as yourself to get them into magazines? Like, if if you're, what would you recommend? Like, how far yeah. down the road of banddom? would you say someone needs to be before needing this kind of service? I think you need to be a little way down the road because if you're just starting out, it's pointless because uh, a PR's job is to sell to the media, look at this band, they're doing amazing things, talk about them. So if you're not doing amazing things, it's a hard sell. And the only when you say amazing things? By amazing, I just mean you've got momentum, you're playing shows, people are into you, you're doing something original, something different, something exciting. People are excited about your band. So there has to be that organic buzz at the beginning for it to work. Because PR is like amplifying what's going on. The exception to the rule, and this has only happened a couple of times in my career, is if somebody does make something genuinely amazing, something that sounds like absolutely nothing, like, um, I guess, I suppose there probably was a bit of momentum. My early memory of doing this was the early Chimp Spanner record back in 2009. Mm. Remember, nobody apart from like people on like SongClick or whatever it was knew who he was. And I remember... I did some PR for Paul, and like, you know, Prog Mag went nuts for it, and all these people were like, wow, what is this amazing new prog music that sounds like nothing else in the world? And so I think those can be the exceptions. However, that will work for PR, but if you don't have, if you're not going to follow it up with like more gigs and more momentum, then it could be a pointless exercise. Yeah. So yeah, I think to answer your question, a band needs to be at a level of being fairly semi-professional before considering, considering it. Okay. Um, this is going completely off tangent, um, but it's one that is going to be. Uh, I'm going to aim at both of you because it applies to both of you. So, being a parent and touring, mm. um, how do you guys do it? Like, um, it's something that I don't think we really talk about very much. Um, but I've got a lot of respect for you guys being able to do it and your partner's been able to do it as well. So what advice would you give to musicians at the start of their career or some way into their career, it doesn't really matter, who have or are expecting kids because it seems like an impossible task to go on tour, especially when, when you consider at the start there's no money necessarily mm-hmm. coming into a band. You're going away for four, five, six, seven weeks or something stupid and you've got to justify that. Mm. How did you do it? 
Like, is there anything you can talk about that will help people? In all honesty, I don't know how we did it in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the key thing is meticulously planning, making sure that uh, your family has got everything it needs and a support network. A support network is really important. Mm. Um, um, and yeah, I just having a very supportive partner who's willing to put up with it. I think it's a big part of that. I just had the most insane deja vu. Sorry to like interject. Wow, I'm just looking at things to ask James, like questions, and I seriously have sat in the same position. I've looked at the same questions, scrolling over my phone. With you sat there, you sat there. So you're uh, I've dreamt in a different of this. dimension. Somewhere. Wow. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. Go, go, sorry to cut in, but go, <laughs> go back to your question on kids and stuff. Mm. There's no easy way around it. It's so yeah. difficult to leave them at home, and mm. it's, it's it's hard for your partner as well. You know, I think it's harder for them because they're essentially becoming single parents, and I've got so much admiration for single parents anyway, mm. regardless of you know a partner being absent. Mm. It's um it's hard, especially when you've got two. Yeah. Well, in our case, we've, we're fostering a baby at the moment, so Hannah's at home with three kids, wow. which is yeah pretty full on. It's hard in some ways. But for us, because <clears throat> we've both been away from home when the kids are very young mm. and they're, they're growing like babies, and our babies change so much, and you're missing out on really special parts of their development. Mm. It's quite, um, it can be quite upsetting. I remember leaving Jack for, for the first time, we went on tour for six weeks, and I came back, and there was a moment where he saw me and didn't quite recognise who I was for a second, but then kind of realised and got mm. really excited. And that was quite frightening, because I was like, yeah. I forgot who I was. Mm. Um, so six weeks for a kid is like a lifetime, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just summer holidays when you're at school in the UK, and that seemed mm. like a flipping lifetime when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, it's important to do what we do and show them that, you know, you can do incredible things. I want, I want to... I want, I want them to look back on this time and see it as, as an inspiration and not in a negative way. Mm. I don't think anyone will see it as a negative thing. It's, it's a very difficult thing. I mean, I don't have kids. I have a wife and I have two dogs, <laughs> which you could argue are just stupid kids for 10, 15 years. Um, <laughs> and it's very difficult even for me to go away. It really sucks. Um, so I can't imagine what it's like with kids. Can I ask the question that gave me deja vu? Yeah, I've got to go in a minute because I've got to set up a drum kit, but very quickly, yes, you we can. can count for two minutes. I want to get my quick fires in before we... Uh... <laughs> so I'll ask, I'll ask one, one question to James, and then you can do your quick fire question. Yeah. So James, how long would you last in a zombie apocalypse? Yes. I think the problem is I've got very high metabolism, so I think I'll get very hungry very quickly and I'd struggle. But, I don't know, I think I can, I can be uh, creative with my situation, so I'm, I'm used to sleeping in uncomfortable places. I reckon I'd survive if I could find food and water quite quickly. If not, then, yeah, I'd be at three days max. Three days? <laughs> okay, good answer. One very quick question before I go into the, um, oh man, there's so much, so much more I could ask. We're gonna have to do a part two because there's, there's a whole load more here. Um, one message that you can get out to the entire world everyone's going to see it everyone's going to hear it what is that message well I don't, I don't know um, deep. deep I don't know be positive even when stuff's hard like positivity ultimately prevails I think and helps in life like negativity is something that can grind you down inside and make you unhappy and ultimately fail so yeah 
be happy. Be happy. Even when you're miserable. <laughs> that's good. All right. Well, I've got to go and set up a drum kit because otherwise there's going to be no drums tonight. So I'm going to rattle off the quick fire round and then you can go back to asking more questions if you want or whatever you want to do. So one word answers. You've got an either or choice. You ready? Yeah. Coronation Street or EastEnders? Neither. Wow. <laughs> Bacon or sausage? Bacon. Western Supermare or Rill? <laughs> Western Supermare. Seven or eight strings? Uh, seven. Tree houses or regular houses? Tree houses. EasyJet or Ryanair? EasyJet. Luton or Wolverhampton? Probably Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> a whole tour without washing your clothes or a whole tour without washing your body? Oh. Uh, that's well, that's tour, isn't it? Just either, <laughs> I know, without washing clothes, I think. No teeth but amazing gums, or no gums and twice the number of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> no teeth and amazing gums. Can, yeah. What do amazing gums look like? <laughs> Just fresh, I don't know. Uh, zips for lips, or to go to sleep you have to button your eyes closed. Oh, button my eyes closed. Only energy drinks, or absinthe. Absinthe. North Pole or South Pole? North Pole. Kebabs for breakfast or cornflakes for dinner? Kebabs for breakfast. <laughs> Turkey or chicken sausage? Chicken sausage. Thank you very much. I'm going to leave. Uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast while I set up some drums. Uh, so I think it's a good time to maybe throw in another song. So the one that I'm going to choose is Take a Picture by Filter. And the reason for that is because they're one of those bands that I've always loved I remember I first got into them when I heard The Amalgamate, which I think was released in, oh man, when was it, 2002, something like that? Do you know Filter? Yeah, I, yeah, I remember them. I've, I think I know that album. There's one album that I had, but yeah, it was a long time ago. I remember it was, the, was at the point where um, I had left Tesseract and I was doing whatever I was doing in that time that we were away. And, and I actually had to work in a clothes shop Mm. A lot of people don't realise that, just <clears throat> to help pay the bills and stuff. And I remember on my dinner hour, on one, one particular day, I, I cranked this song and it really cheered me up. Uh, and it's a song that I go to just to get some good vibes. The chorus is incredible. Yeah. It's, it goes on, the, the song is six minutes long, but you've got to kind of bear with it. It's slightly repetitive, but there's something very special about the whole production surrounding this song. In fact, I think it got nominated for like um, is it MTV Awards best best produ- best cinematography for that particular video. It was released in 1999. And what other interesting stats can I give you on this song? Um, yeah, November 16, 1999, uh, second single from the studio album title of record, and it became a major hit at the start of 2000, mm. peaking at number 12 on the US Billboard Hot 100. Nice. Which is a pretty good effort. Which so the album of Welcome to the Fold on it? Which album is that? That was. That's the album I had. Yeah, that's title of record. All oh, right. That's the album oh, that yeah. this song's from. Cool. Yeah. No, I had that album. Um, yeah. I love his voice, R- Richard Patrick. Mm. Um, amazing songwriter, mm. and uh, yeah, he's got this really, really interesting grip to his voice. Um, it's some, something that I just I can't replicate. That I've tried. Just an amazing character. So yeah, mm. here's didn't, the song. Didn't they have a gig cancelled on them because he did something oh, no, outrageous? Did. Yeah, no, they were. I think it was this year. Yeah. They were yeah. supposed to play somewhere in Las Vegas, and I think the backdrop or some part of the LED show had the, something anti-American. It was something anti-American. It was some, something to do with the the US flag. 
Yeah. I'm not sure if it was upside down or something strange. Mm. And uh, they had the show pulled because of that. Yeah. Which is incredible. Wow. Freedom of speech, man. Yeah. Because you couldn't really do that with the Union Jack. Just turn upside down, that's the same. Alright, well, then, here's the song.
hilarious death metal. <laughs> and actually, you know something? I've never really understood death metal mm. until two years. Was it two years ago when we played the Dogteeth stage at Download? Mm. And directly before us were Napalm Death. Yeah. And I was so impressed. Mm. It sounded incredible. Brutal. So brutal. Mm. Yeah. And they were giving it everything, just absolutely nailing it. No mm. click tracks. Mm. They're kind of a cult band now yeah. as well, like Napalm Death. Like, I guess ever since like, the 80s. It's just Barney, isn't it? Barney's the singer. Mm. In fact, we were watching that video where he um, he tries to get Ed Miliband to scream. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Miliband's like, ah! <laughs> Should we try it now? Go on, then. Can you, can you scream? Hey. Can you scream? I'll have a go. I'll, 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 I'll be Ed Miliband, but I'll, I'll try. So you, you've got to have loads of throat to it. You've got to say, you're, you're Roy. You're Roy! You're Roy! That's actually really good. I want to get higher. How do you go higher? You're Roy! You're Roy! You're right! You're right! <laughs> that was my Ed Miliband. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, the body's got a really nasty sound. Yeah. Um, Seriously brutal. Because I, I looked him up on the internet the other day because I was thinking about death metal and apparently he credits his Birmingham accent for being a big part of his tone. It's like it's really oi kind of like that's you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's very throaty. <laughs> it's a very throaty accent, very thick, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's got that kind of like back vowel openness. go down the chippy. And the first time I experienced a really thick Brummie accent was when I was training in the police force because the we had to go away for like sixteen weeks to Tally Ho, place called Tally Ho in Birmingham, and we're in this little canteen area every morning. So we stayed in this separate kind of like building, and this really lovely lady. It was like cooking his breakfast every morning, and the first thing she'd say every day is, All right, Bob, do you like eggs we get? I was like, Wow, that's amazing! It's like, It's kind of lovely. It's it really is, <laughs> really yeah, really lovely. Yeah, and who would have known that that sound would have inspired one of the greatest death metal vocalists? Wow. <laughs> so, who else do you listen to from the death metal world? Well, death metal world, well, I've never been a huge death metal fan. But yeah, I did. You know, kind of got stuff like the Haunted and Arch Enemy, and they come come from the melodic death metal background, which is a bit more technical. But um, early death metals where it's really funny, and quite a lot of it. Experience like at the gates. We played with them the other day. Um, I missed that. Um, but early, early death metal, I'm pretty sure, was just intended to be offensive and just like, you know, just it was was it a gimmick? Well, I think it was just teenagers trying to be really, really offensive and coming because up with it's not, and like coming up with the most offensive song titles mm. you know the, the 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 look of the logos for every death metal band is basically brambles <laughs> very, very, very very prickly brambles brambles you wouldn't want to touch because you'd get hurt <laughs> who's your favourite death metal band then? Um, in terms of comedy value even though I'm sure they weren't actually it might have to be Cannibal Corpse <laughs> Corpse Grinder Corpse Grinder's the front man yeah George Corpse Grinder <laughs> is that actually his name by Deep I don't actually know. It should be though. But like, he's got the biggest neck in the world. He's like he's got a head and a neck. And then he's obviously been screaming for so long. He's developed intense neck muscles. Mm. And like, um, so I was following him on Instagram, and um, he posted this really sweet picture with his family, and uh, him, his wife, and his two daughters, going, "Oh, I'm gonna miss my family. I'm gonna go away for six weeks." Oh. <laughs> and then the next night, he's singing entrees ripped from a virgin's cunt. Oh wow! <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> He's so offensive. 
Uh, their other hit, I Come Blood, is, is, a, is a personal favourite of mine. Oh, my goodness. Hammer Smash Face is a banger. Hammer Smash Face. I mean, that's slightly more, you know, it's, it's less offensive. <laughs> but it's still pretty epic. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, although I guess a lot of these things are offensive, I think when you're like someone like George Corpse Grinder, who's, I guess, probably in his 50s or pushing 50 now, I mean, you have to find it funny. Oh, like, if you don't find it funny, if you take it seriously, it's just ridiculous. I do wonder, though, like, what his kids think. It's like, hey, Daddy, what are the lyrics of this song? <laughs> I suppose it's just when they're at age of being able to read it, it's just going to be up front and go, this is wow. really offensive. This is my job. But this is what Daddy does, mm-hmm. you know. Because I guess in a way it's also a bit like horror. It's like, like yeah. horror the genre. It's, it's supposed to shock. I, saw, I can't remember the, the name of the band, but they're on uh, BBC News and um, for some reason, I think it was that there was uh, some, some kind of um, study that was done into uh, death metal mm. and it was saying that it can promote positivity in people. Yes, and it had uh, the guy from um, Paradise Lost and Bloodbath the, the, yes. the, what's his name Nick Nick Holmes that's it yeah and yeah. Like, he was on he was being interviewed uh, and oh, man, the interviewer is just so annoying well like, just clearly well, let nothing. me read some lyrics from your song and it's not something like ridiculous like I smash you in the face and eat your entrails or something <laughs> like that and he's like you know, well, you know, it's just it's escapism. It's just a really good right. time. People like, you know, pe- pe- people like The Walking Dead and zombies and all that kind of mm. stuff. And it is, you know, there's, there's a big part of that. It's just like mm. escapism, getting out of the daily grind and mm. having some fantasy. And I thought Nick Holmes came across really well because he comes he across as like a really nice, normal, friendly Yorkshire lad. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Which he made, he made some very good points, but it was just so like you could see the agenda behind that oh, whole yeah. thing. Mm. But yeah, I think he, I think he trying yeah. to condemn. Death metal and mm. you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, it's funny. Death metal is it is entertaining. But yeah, some of it goes a bit too far. Like I was working with a um, label called Unique Leader in um, an album by a band called Stillbirth, which uh, I don't know. I personally thought, oh god, yeah, that's really horrible and offensive. And then I told my wife, and she's like, that's disgusting. <laughs> like, she was genuinely offended. I'm not surprised. And I was like, yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> so. Considering that you are a very professional musician, mm-hmm. I've, got, I've got a question for you then. So what is the most unprofessional thing that you've seen someone do um, in the world of music? I can tell you one of the most unprofessional things I did. Once mid-set, I was desperate for a piss, so I went for a pee behind my, behind my guitar case on stage <laughs> <laughs> in a bottle. When was that? So it was on one of the US tours a few years ago. I just no way. Crouched. It was in Seriously? That two minutes before proxy and I couldn't get to the toilet so I just crouched from the <laughs> guitar case peed in the bottle. Wow. Literally no one knew. I completely got away That's with amazing. it. It probably just looked like I was crouching down. Is this the first time you've come out of with this? I think I've mentioned it whilst drunk to other people before. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about the other day when we were on stage and somebody unplugged our monitors? Oh my God. Yeah, that was ridiculously unprofessional. Yeah, I am. Yeah, so we were playing, it was in the middle of King, I think, and suddenly all the sound went from our, from our in-ears, and my immediate response was like, what have I done? Because I usually think that I've unplugged yeah, myself. Or my batteries have gone, or yeah, something. Yeah. Like that. And then I looked around and I saw everyone go, well, I saw more storming over to the in-ears, and Jay go, fuck! Because <laughs> yeah, literally like, nobody could hear anything. Yeah, and it's, no, nothing at all. And for Jay, it's impossible, because if he doesn't have the click, yeah. then he doesn't stay in time with the tracks, which also control the pedal changes and all the cues. 
So yeah, it was actually... We were so lucky that it was at a point where... I mean, obviously things... The backing tracks are still being played front of house. Mm. So the stadium could still hear everything. And I was having to sing the choir part in King mm. via... Just to the echo of the PA system. Mm. So we're quite lucky because that was the only thing going on at that time. Yeah. But if that was m- mid, like, I don't know... Juno or something crazy. Oh, yeah. If it was mid Juno, it would have been playing. that would have been the end of the set. Mm. That would have been it. It would have mm. been so embarrassing. And this is some guy that is just carelessly walking behind our gear. Yeah, and unplugged and it. Unplugged it. Mm. Wow. Yeah, which is absolutely insane. Imagine if I mean, obviously we we're quite pleasant guys and we didn't kick up a, a massive fuss. But imagine if someone did that to Slayer or anyone or any big band that were, that were like headlining a festival mm. up on the main stage man people would have the been flying is, off the handle the thing is that I I was just amazed at how they didn't seem particularly apologetic over it like if I had done that to another band I would be writing them an email saying I'll be sorry I'd make a big deal yeah, I'm apologising yeah. because it was I don't really know the name really of the guy obviously I'd never say that live anyway on a mm. podcast but apparently the person in question went up to Moss with an opened bottle of Corona and gave it to him and said sorry Oh, I assume that's a sort You'd have been really happy with that. I would have been alright. <laughs> Moss doesn't like lager. So. Yeah. <laughs> if he was like, hey, here's a 1984 bottle of... Something like Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Like, Moss might have been convinced. But, yeah. I know, that was, yeah, that was really, really shitty. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is quite a good question. So, you're about to get into a fight. What song comes on as your soundtrack? Um... Run to the hills, and then I run as fast as possible because <laughs> if I end up in a fight, I'm going to lose because I'm a weakling. You don't know that. I think you have serious inner strength. Um, I haven't tested it, and I don't want to. <laughs> so here's here's a quite deep question, and answer it. Sorry, answer it really up from a nice. Okay, and think about it. So if you could know the absolute and total truth to one question. What question would you ask? Oh, God. One shot, and you've got 10 seconds to choose. Oh, wow, that's really, really, really difficult. I don't know if I can answer this in 10 seconds. I'll, get, I'll give you an extra 15 seconds. Um, I would want to know, what would I want to know? Um, uh, the perfect ratio of water to body weight to maintain a long existence. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, a, that's, a one. that's a good one. I think it's a tough, tough one because I guess a lot of things that you wonder about wanting to know uh, that you can never know. I kind of don't want to know because I kind of feel like that's that it's not for us to know. I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't um, know why, but the first thing that came to my mind was just existence. Like I would want to know the bigger, the bigger truth. Like how was the universe created? Mm. What is beyond the universe? Yeah, but then I quite enjoy not knowing. I like the wonder. Yeah, that's I like cool. the imagination. Like, and thinking about it, I, I think. What if the answer is really, really boring? <laughs> but also, you could ask questions like, you know, is there a cure for all disease and what is it? Mm. But then, disease serves a purpose. It's kind of population management. It's also um, other living things surviving of other body, other things. It's like I don't know what. I say disease. Overall, isn't a bad thing. I don't think. I mean, it's obviously bad for individuals, but it's. It's like how the whole planet evolves. It's a big part of the whole global ecosystem. That's deep. Mm. 
this is where I get cancer tomorrow and I really regret saying it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to die now, but, you know, it's all part of the world's evolution. And you could have asked that one question. <laughs> <laughs> so that was quite deep, so let's take it to a lighter space. What old person things do you do? Old person things do I do? Because, I mean, you are quite old. I'm quite old. I am... Um, when I'm at home, I like to go to bed quite early with a cup of... After a cup of chamomile. Chamomile and rose petal from unityblends.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know, what are old people things? What's, what's a classic old person thing? Um, drinking Horlicks. Yeah, I don't really do that. Um, well, I mean, I'll, I'll let you know <laughs> a secret. <laughs> so, I like to put the kids to bed, have a shower, I get my dressing gown on and my slippers, mm. and I tend to sit down with a nice cup of tea. That's pretty, yeah, that sounds pretty nice. Pretty standard, really. It's not really an old thing, is it? No. Um, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I went to um, a plant sale the other day. Uh, it was like <laughs> a garden centre, basically. Well, no, but it was like somebody um, near us that had a giant back garden they were selling off loads of their own plants that like they were growing themselves. And then, that was, it was basically all full of old people. <laughs> but yeah, that was an old person. So you heard the first, was it the first or second podcast when I went, I took Joel to a garden centre and oh. peed on his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've made that a bit more rock and roll with the pee story. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think was cool then when you were young? What isn't cool now? Uh, what did I think was cool? What isn't um, cool now? Smoking and playing guitar at the same time. <laughs> like when I when I was fourteen, I saw Slash playing a solo with a oh, flag hanging out his mouth. I knew so many people that used to do. I was that. just like, that's so cool. But I remember I tried it and I went. <coughs> it's really hard. It's quite skilled. Smoking your eye. Like, yeah, it's like, 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 your nose. Like you're crying because you've got so much smoke in your eye. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, I quite quickly realised that it's not very cool. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Do you remember when loads of people used to do that? When you could smoke in venues back when we were lads. Do you, me- do you ever remember a, a time when you could take a, a flight and people could smoke on an airplane? Yes. Do I you do. actually remember that? I do remember because I remember coming back from. I was part of a group called the Woodcraft Folk, which is like hippie scouts. Um, we went on a holiday to Spain when I was 12, so it's been 92, just giving away my age. And, <laughs> and, then, uh, and I remember I, I sat next to a friend of mine who was a little bit older. And he was smoking a cigarette on the plane. And I remember thinking, I don't remember thinking anything of it because everyone smoked back then. But yeah, it seems really weird now. Yeah, it's definitely not cool. It's gross. It's so horrible. horrible. It's disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> what is something that most people learn only after it's too late? Um, the level you can drink before you wet the bed. <laughs> See, I've never done that. But I'm, I've always been one of those people that can't handle and I'm a bit of a puker. Uh, I mean, I, to be honest, that was when I was young. I, I can't remember the last time that I, I threw up. <laughs> After having a few beers. Mm. And it's a very irresponsible thing to do, isn't it, James? It's very irresponsible. But it's actually it's responsible of your body because your body's going... Get this crap out! Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> the body's an amazing thing. It can take so much alcohol. Yeah. Um, although, if the the alcohol to water ratio is a bit heavily on the water side of things, you can end up having an accident. Um, it's not happened to me for a long time, but 
did once happen to me in a tour bus bunk <laughs> and it was a very very unpleasant experience do you want to expand on that? <laughs> I suppose I could I think we're how do you cope in that situation? Well, it was all—it was made worse because it wasn't like I woke up in the morning and um, I was soaking wet, and I was like, "Wow, it must have been a hot night last night." <laughs> <laughs> well, I've really sweated badly, and then then I suddenly realised, "Wait, no, that's not sweat. That's that's something more than that. That's another another bodily fluid." And then I realised that I had my bag with all my clothes in the bunk with me, and that was soaked through. So I literally had nothing clean. Um, and so I had to basically wear a towel <laughs> until we got to a laundrette. I got thrown out at a laundrette in San Francisco in nothing but a towel. <laughs> and I, had to I wash. can kind of understand that in San Francisco, though. Well, I, there are a lot of, unfortunately, there were a lot of unhealthy people in San Francisco mentally mm. who noticed that. But also, it's, it's a real issue. So you probably they probably thought you were quite ill. Yeah. Also, it's. Um, it's also the gay capital of America, so like a man walking around in just a towel is probably not that offensive to some people. Whereas if it was the middle of Texas, I might have got shot. I had a pink towel as well, which didn't help. Or maybe did help in San Francisco. Do you remember being a bit merry uh, in Texas, running through the streets, uh, singing the Texas song? Oh, the Texas song, I do. It was wonderful. Everyone was getting involved. Uh, Everyone. It's got a street Stars at yeah. night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and they love it. Very proud. Jay, Jay's now Texan. He is. Wow. Semi-Texan. Mm. Crazy. All right, so I'm going to ask you one more question then. Hmm. Okay, so if you could ask advice from any historical figure, who would it be and what would you ask them? Uh, uh, hmm. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. It doesn't have to be music related, it can be absolutely any, anyone, any so historical for figure. For advice, um, I'd ask Beethoven how he managed to still compose music whilst being completely deaf because inevitably that will happen to us for playing metal music, so we should prepare for it. You know, sometimes <laughs> I, you know when you've got your in-ears in and you, you're not playing any music and it's just like dead, it's just deadness, you I often try and sing. Uh, and imagine that I'm deaf and I can't pick and I can't hear what I'm singing mm. and then sing along to a song take my ears out and see how in pitch I am mm. and I think I can I can somehow connect to the resonance in my body and the vibration probably would and learn, figure out an, a fairly accurate way of pitching in mm. but I mean if you lost all perspective and all on that if you like if you suddenly did, did go deaf mm. I think you would very quickly lose lose that kind of sense of pitch. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You wouldn't yeah. be able to relate to it anymore. Yeah. Well, but then, like you say, with feeling, maybe you could do through vibrations. I suppose if you had to, I have to think about. I would have to sit in front of somebody and try and get them to give me a gauge of when I was in the pitch and try mm. and connect to that level of vibration. Yeah, you could have like a meter, like a pitch meter. Oh, yeah, kind of course thing. you could. Yeah. Mm. Of course you could. Yeah, you could sing it to a tuner. Sing it to a tuner, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And they could even start pitching the the, the, the vibrato. This is probably a thing. This 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 technology or this 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 somebody's this, this exists obviously. Mm. But then, stupid. but if you're completely deaf, what would be the worth of doing music? So you can't enjoy it. I suppose you can feel it again. You'd have to just start writing bass music. <laughs> Do you know I have this real fear of losing control of certain aspects of my 
body. Your bladder, my senses. <laughs> yeah, my bladder as well. Uh, when we had that long flight back from from the last Australian trip, and I mm. and I lost my sight for a short time, mm. that really scared me. And it made me actually, for the first time, I actually had a real sense of fear of losing an, an aspect of my bodily function. Yeah, I know I had a similar one in as a slightly more responsible way, like after being quite wasted on a particular chemical, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. Oh, sorry, I might as well just say it. Like ketamine, right? Like ketamine is this whole... I haven't done this for a hell of a long time, so I was a lot younger. It makes you kind of detached from your body a bit. And I remember going to a place, literally thinking, right, I, yeah, I've got no control, nothing. Like, imagine what this would be like you know, if, I, if I never recovered. And then you're sort of going, oh, God, oh, oh. Then, then it wears off. And I was like, oh, I can move again. But like, but like yeah, that was a real moment. I was like, it made, made me realise our own, I guess, I don't know if mortality is the right word, but we're all going to wear out at some point. Things are going to stop working and, you know, we don't live forever, I suppose. Like, you know, I kind of, I guess. So in a way, it was a positive experience that made me appreciate me being healthy mm. and valuing that rather than taking it for granted. I hate not being in control. I used to like it when I was younger because it was just like a bit crazy, but then... As I've got older, it's, it's, it makes me value being in control a lot more because some people aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well. Got a bit deep again. <laughs> why do we always end up going really deep? <laughs> deep and dark. Mm. Anything else you want to chat about while we've got a few minutes? Uh, I don't know. No, um, oh, look who's back in his pants. Back in his pants. Oh, that's sexy. You missed, oh, out, you missed out on some cracking questions. Really? Mm. Yeah. What? Such as? Um, I don't know. Actually, no, leave them. I'll, I'll listen to we'll them. We'll ask you next time. Okay. Hmm. I guess we could conclude talking about death metal and talk about um, George Corpse Grinder going shopping at Target. <laughs> Is that where he goes shopping? Well, I suppose most people go shopping know. at Target. Well, basically, if you want to see the funniest video, just Google Corpse Grinder Target. And he does this video where he uh, goes around Target finding all the best deals. <laughs> and he talks about whenever I'm on tour, there's a Target I have to go and find. The By the way, um, Aldi, Aldi, if you are listening, uh, we would like to endorse Aldi. We want to, we want sponsorship. And we know you work with um, uh, music events because you, you you sponsored Greenfields Festival. Yes, well, you did. we would happily put Aldi. Myself and James <laughs> believe in you. <laughs> Target. If you're listening, I'm now kind of American because I live in Austin. We're just talking about so, that. You're semi-Texan. Semi-Texan, yeah. Mm. Um, sort us out with some free T-shirts or something. Cause pants and socks. Pants and socks. Oh, pants and socks at every venue would be mm. a dream. Mm. And for the American... Anathema do that. Like yeah. You told me that. Yeah. Underpants. They advance, uh, advance pants socks. and socks every now and again on the rider, which is a really clever idea. Because mm. they can be, you know, they're relatively cheap. Yeah. And pants and socks get pretty disgusting on tour. Have you told any fun tour stories? <laughs> We've had a few, yeah. Have you told the uh, Australia one? Which one? Oh, meet the me. No, the uh, the waking up. Oh, waking up! Just waking oh. up. <laughs> oh, Phil and Selma. Maybe we should save that for oh, the next podcast. Oh, the, we could. We could like think of way more fun tour stories. Next podcast, because we're at, we're out of time now. 
What have we got to remember? Phil Anselmo, we'll talk Australia. about my, my meeting with Phil Anselmo that went particularly badly. Well, let's, let's do one <laughs> after some red wine yeah. and we'll recall as many hilarious tour stories as we can because I think that would be a popular topic. Mm. Awesome. Tesseractband.co.uk, jpostonesdrums.com, holdtightpr.com, danieltompkinsvocalist.com, 4dsounds.com. Catch you later.